in a world where some of the greatest motion pictures ever made are reaching their 30th anniversaries. One group of friends gathered together to pay tribute to these films. Pat Cantagallo. Dennis Matouche. Jeff Mazuka. Each week, we take a look back at one movie that is reaching that 30-year milestone. Whether you love seeing these films in the theater or enjoying them for the first time at home, we invite you to join us this year as we travel back in time to 1986. I am your host, John Reed, and you're listening to the 30-something Movie Podcast. Well, if you're here, that means you're joining us once again for the 30-something Movies Podcast. Um, This is going to be a little different this time around. First of all, I'll apologize for the audio quality because I am recording this on my phone as opposed to the normal setup that we've got. But uh, I am on vacation, and we did not. We kind of ran out of time before the school year ended, and everybody had to go off on their their vacations and everything else, so we did not have a movie uh, picked out or recorded for the fifth Wednesday of June. So um, it was kind of, I left that up to myself to come up with something while I was on vacation. So I am on vacation still. Um, I've had a great vacation with my family. We went down to Texas, which is where I'm originally from. Got to show them around a little bit. Got to visit the Alamo and do all kinds of other stuff. Way too, well, no, 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 let me back up. Because you cannot have way too much barbecue. Plenty of barbecue. Uh, Plenty of Mexican food. All very, very good stuff and getting to spend some time with family. So it's it's been a nice vacation. It's been great. Um, but I did want to make sure that we didn't miss anything uh, with another Wednesday coming around, another chance for a new episode. But this time around, I'm going to do something a little bit different because I haven't had much chance to watch any movies lately uh, other than finally getting to visit an Alamo Draft House in Austin, Texas. Uh, took the kids to see Finding Dory while we were there. But haven't had a chance to watch any 80s movies recently. And so one thing I had wanted to do for this year, and I will start it with this one. This will be kind of the introduction to it. And then as we go throughout the rest of the summer, most likely I'll record the more in-depth episodes for that. Uh, but one thing I was thinking about, my brother and I were talking the other day, and, and I had been thinking about this for a while too, uh, was 1986 was, that's our, our year this year for the podcast. And 86 was a huge year huge year for comics. Um, Just a ridiculous amount of big events that affected comic books and movies and pop culture um, started in 86, or at least came about in 86, and just kind of went from there. So a lot of the stuff that we think of when we think of Batman or Daredevil or the X-Men or some of these other things... Um, they all came about, uh, and they were published in 1986, or uh, at least finished, you know, maybe their story arcs finished in 86, if you're thinking like Crisis on Infinite Earths and the Man of Steel miniseries that came out of that to kind of reboot Superman for the modern age. So my brother and I were talking about uh, the greatest year in modern rock history, and we were kind of arguing back and forth. He had read an article uh, somebody who said 1971 was, and I was arguing that you know some of the years in the 80s were, and so this kind of got me thinking about um, you know getting this started for the summertime. And like I said, this is going to be more of an overview. Uh, I'm uh, this is not going to be a, a full episode, but uh, just wanted to kind of get this idea started. 
mention some of the things that happened in 86. So if you want to go explore those before we bring out our other episodes later on in the summer, in which we go a little bit more in-depth on those, then you can go do that uh, whenever you'd like. So um, real quick, I'm going to run through just a couple of things that I found as I was looking through lists of what happened in 1986 with regard to comics. Um, you know what, let me back up for just a second because I forgot the rest of the intro. The rest of the intro would be, you are listening to the 30-something movie podcast. Um, you can, uh, we're not talking to movies this time, uh, but I am talking comic books. So if you don't want to know about the comic books from 86 and be spoiled on them, I may mention some things that are a bit spoilery. So feel free to go take a look at those comics and, and then come back at a later time. Uh, you could, if you could, please, uh, go on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Uh, I believe that we have a couple of reviews on some of the international iTunes stores. Um, I think we have one on the Czech Republic iTunes store and a couple of other ones, uh, but we have gotten no reviews on the American iTunes store. So um, if you could, please, if you're an American and you bleed red, white, and blue and you love 80s movies... Uh, go give us a review, uh, five stars if you want. Um, you know, Jeff is still working on trying to get iTunes to give us the 17 star review, but um, you know, until that happens, I think five stars is the most we can do. So, and uh, coming up next week and this next month will be our fantasy movies. So, if you're looking forward to that, we are next week. We're going to be looking at um, <clears throat> we're going to be looking at the Golden Child starring Eddie Murphy, and then after that, we will be doing Big Trouble in Little China. Following that, we've got The Highlander, and then we're going to finish off the month of July with Legends, starring Tom Cruise. So let's talk a little bit about some stuff that happened in 1986 with comics. Um, I'm going to go, I'm just going to, I've got a list here of some things that happened in 86. I'm going to run down that real fast um, and just kind of mention those. And like I said, we are going to be going more in-depth on these as the summer goes on. So if you, if you want more information on these and you feel like you're not getting in this episode, don't worry about it. Uh, we will get there. So overall, in 1986, some big, big stuff happened. Uh, Batman The Dark Knight Returns is probably one of the biggest things to come out of 86. That was the four-issue limited series that was done by Frank Miller. Um, and that was it told the story of Batman coming out of retirement for one last ride, uh, one last adventure. And it kind of, I think it kind of solidified, well, there were a couple things, I think, but it kind of helped solidify the grim and gritty, dark feel that the late 80s, early 90s was going to take on. And uh, that was kind of the, you know, seeing Batman as a dark and gritty character um, was uh, kind of started with the idea of uh, Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns. So I, that one, I remember, I didn't read that one at the time. I think probably the first time I read that was in the mid-90s. Uh, I think I was just starting high school or finishing middle school around about the first time I read that, and, and it really is, if you've read Batman up on through the, the 70s and the early 80s, it really is a different take on the character, and that's kind of where everything spun off from there, and that's why you got the grim and gritty, realistic uh, 1989 Batman movie with Michael Keaton, um, and I think that's why when you see the very dark psychological take on Batman that he has become since that point in time, um, that harkens all the way back to uh, The Dark Knight Returns and Frank Miller's take on that. Of course, then Frank Miller the next year, I think it was in 87, that Frank Miller did uh, Batman Year One, and that 
story has affected, I would, I would say every, <laughs> nearly every Batman movie or story um, since that came out, that origin story came out. So Frank Miller has obviously had, you know, it kind of goes without saying, it's had a, a huge influence on Batman over the years. Uh, another big one that came out in 86 was Watchmen, you know, that little gem. Um, Watchmen obviously has now been made into a movie, but at the time it came out as a 12-issue limited series written by Alan Moore and illustrated by Dave Gibbons. Uh, it was put out by DC Comics. Um, and I believe in what I was reading was that Watchmen is the only graphic novel to have won a Hugo Award. And it's on all these different lists of some of the greatest novels of all time, uh, sometimes the only graphic novel to be listed as such. And that was another one that this was a totally different take on superheroes, and it was something that affected the superhero genre for years to come. Um, and so we will, you know, we'll actually take some time. We may take an entire episode and talk just about Watchmen later on. Um, one that I, you know, I have not read, which is kind of surprising. Um, I've had students read this, and I know sometimes it, it does get put on uh, middle school or high school reading lists. Um, but when I taught social studies and we were studying World War II, uh, one of the only graphic novels that was available for that was Mouse, um, written by Art Spiegelman. And that was something that was done, I think he was doing that back in the 70s, um, but this was the first time in graphic novel form that the comic strips he had done were collected into one story, um, into a graphic novel form. So um, that was published in 1986. Um, tons of independent publishers started up in 86. Um, I know, just off the top of my head, I know that Dark Horse, um, Dark Horse was my favorite for a really long time. They had uh, Robocop and Alien and Terminator and, and Predator and so on. They were, they were kind of my go-to publisher for quite a while, uh, even more than, than DC um, and more than Marvel. But uh, you had Dark Horse came out. Um, you had some of the other ones that became bigger. Uh, Slave Labor Graphics. Uh, Malibu Comics, which I think ended up being bought out by Marvel eventually. Um, but just, I, this kind of paved the way. I think the success of some of the other smaller publishers, um, particularly stories that, you know, stories that became big, but, um, you know, didn't seem like they, they might have at the time. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I think that one came out in 84, the comic. Um, and so then by the time you get to 86, I mean, you, when you had smaller, uh, creators that were not part of the, the big two, Marvel and DC, you know, that there was kind of a, an explosion of those in the, uh, mid eighties. And so you just kind of, that kind of opened it up for everything else. And then of course you also had people starting to sell comics at comic book stores. Um, you didn't have to go to the bookstore anymore. You didn't have to go to newsstands to get them. Uh, people were starting to in the, like the late I think late seventies, early eighties. You had comic book stores that were popping up, and so they were starting to sell more to the the direct fan market. Um, and so you had the opportunity to open that up and and kind of uh, get some of these independent publishers going, which then of course paved the way ultimately for publishers like uh, Image when they came around in the early nineties. Um, probably the first series that I might take if I'm going to do individual episodes on these, uh, probably the first one that I remember reading at the time, and I read it at the time uh, in the late 80s, probably around 86, 
um, I don't think I got it when it first came out, but maybe a couple years after, was The Man of Steel, which was a six-issue uh, limited series written and penciled by John Byrne, um, uh, done by DC Comics, and it was kind of meant to be a reboot, um, kind of using Crisis on Infinite Earths as a, a way to reboot the Superman origin and continuity, um, you know, making some changes here and there. They had kind of done a wrap-up to the old uh, continuity with the story that happened in the, it was like F- Superman 423 or 424 maybe, um, I used to have all these memorized, but um, whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow, um, and I think that was done by Alan Moore and, and some of the art by Kurt Swan and some of the other, um, you know, some of the 70s, 70s and 80s Superman artists. But the Man of Steel was kind of meant as a way to reboot Superman and, and kind of, um, you know, just a, a slightly new take on his continuity and his origin, um, changing some of the things about how powerful he was, and um, trying to explain in maybe a realistic scientific way how he gets his powers, or um, I want to say that was one of the first times, um, I may be wrong on this, but I want to say that was one of the first times they kind of looked at, or they started to look at talking about his powers as being based on the sun, and being like Superman's a giant solar battery, uh, and doing stuff like that, but... Um, I remember picking this up for the first time at a comic book store somewhere, and as a kid, I had I had no clue. It was Man of Steel number one, and so I got all excited because I thought I had found the very first issue of a Superman comic book, and I I and I think I bought it for maybe like a dollar. And so as a kid, I was like, I I bought the first Superman comic for a dollar, and <laughs> and so obviously that was not the first Superman comic book, and. Um, I learned very, very quickly that it was not worth uh, a whole lot more than a dollar. So I had not found, you know, one of those stories where somebody goes to a garage sale and they find, um, you know, Action Comics number one or Detective Comics number 27, um, you know, just hiding somewhere. So, um, but as a kid, I was totally convinced that that was the first Superman comic book and that I had bought it for a dollar. So, you know, it it was short-lived, but I was excited. Uh, a couple of other things, the Born Again story uh, in Daredevil. Again, Frank Miller. See, Frank Miller kind of ruled 1986 when it came to, I think Alan Moore and Frank Miller uh, ruled 1986 when it came to comic book stories and kind of then, like I said, shaped everything that came afterwards um, because a lot of those stories, the, the reasons that we view the characters that we do now uh, were based on those stories, based on what happened when they published those stories in 86. So it's everything that happened in 86 kind of just rippled out from there, and and we've got the characters and the take on the characters that we do now because of that. Um, There was a story running through Marvel Comics called Mutant Massacre, and it kind of uh, teamed up the X-Men, X-Factor, New Mutants, um, and a few other characters. This was also around the time they started publishing X-Factor. I think it's also the time in the X-Men when Jean Grey had been dead, um, and they they brought her back or started to bring her back. Um, so it was around about that time, too. Uh, there were a couple of other uh, oh, first appearances by characters. I'll, I'll mention some of those a little bit later, but like some major characters that we think of now, especially one of them being Apocalypse, uh, first showed up in 1986, 
and um, you know that that goes now with the uh, new movie that's that's come out a few weeks ago, which I still have not seen. Um, I would like to go see it, even though I know it doesn't hasn't gotten very great reviews. Um, I'm still interested to go see it. So, um, but yeah, Apocalypse uh, first appeared in 1986, so that we've got a, a tie to to that 30 years later. Um, couple things that I noticed, um, I'm looking on the, uh, I was looking on the Wikipedia page, and um, they have a couple things on here that um, I didn't even realize that had happened in 86. Uh, DC Comics cancels Wonder Woman with issue number 329. Um, I can only assume it's because of sales. It just seems very strange that, you know, you, you one member of what you consider as the DC Trinity uh, gets canceled. Their comic book gets canceled, but, you know... It, was back at a time when Wonder Woman was not necessarily part of the Trinity. There was not a Trinity at the time um, in terms of comic books. So, you know, it just seems sad that after 329 issues, that one would get canceled. Um, I know that also in 1986, the Green Lantern comics were, uh, I think it was canceled and restarted as the Green Lantern Corps. Uh, so you had much more of a sense that there was a global, or not global, but a, like a galactic police force. Um, I also remember, uh, we got one here, um, The Incredible Hulk number 319, Bruce Banner marries Betty Ross. Happened in 86. Um, the Thing uh, was canceled by Marvel Comics, issue number 36. Uh, Dark Horse Comics starts off with Dark Horse Presents number one. And as I said, that Dark Horse was kind of my go-to... Um, publisher for a while. I mean, I loved everything that Dark Horse put out when I was uh, when I was a kid in the early '90s. That was my thing. If it was Dark Horse, I was probably reading it because um, I loved. I was a huge Alien and Predator and Terminator fan. Dark Horse had Star Wars. Um, I think Dark Horse may have also had. They have Jurassic Park. You know what? I think Tops had Jurassic Park. But uh, when I was living in England, Dark Horse was publishing the comic books for Tops. Um, I'll check on that. I'm not sure. But uh, Dark Horse just seemed to have everything at the time. And uh, like I said, as a kid, that was, that was, that was my thing. Um, so yeah, there was uh, Dark Horse number one, Dark Horse Presents. And I like the idea how it had several different small um, stories in the one comic book. It was sometimes like the, you know, when they would do like the... DC presents, and they would have a couple of stories in each comic. Um, but uh, yeah, no, that was Dark Horse was was one of my favorites. So finding out that that was something that uh, started up in '86, I was kind of excited to talk about that. So maybe what I'll try to do with that one too. I don't have all the issues of Dark Horse presents, but maybe I can try to dig them up somewhere and and take a look. And uh, maybe we'll do a an episode on on Dark Horse comics itself because again, like I said, that's just that was my thing, was Dark Horse. Um, so that's another one that came up in 86. Um, Marvel canceled its Star Wars comic with issue number 107. Um, and, and like I said, that eventually would move on over to Dark Horse. And that, I think, while I love, I, I really enjoy the what Marvel is doing with Star Wars now, but when I think of Star Wars comics, I think of Dark Horse. And I think of Dark Empire. I think of... Um, the Tales of the Jedi comics, um, you know, just all the stuff that Dark Horse did with the with the uh, Star Wars comics in the in the nineties. Um, 
Just uh, to me, that's that's Star Wars comic books, and Marvel's like I said, Marvel's doing a great job now. I love the Darth Vader comic. Sad that it's actually going to be getting canceled here in a few issues, um, and uh, I, I I like what they're doing. But when I think Star Wars comics, I think um, all the way back to the Dark Horse stuff. Um, as I said before, the Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow was a two-part Superman story. Oh, no, I, I was close. It's Superman number 423 and Action Comics number 583. It was written by Alan Moore, uh, Kurt Swan, George Perez, and Kurt Schaffenberger um, were the artists on that. And that was to kind of wrap up the pre-crisis continuity. This was also around the time when you started to have to refer to um, DC Comics as pre- and post-crisis um, since the crisis on Infinite Earths had just changed, had just changed everything, had just happened. Um, DC also stopped publishing Superman and Action Comics for a while so that they could do the Man of Steel miniseries to reboot everything. They came back in 1987, um, and uh, Action came back in 87, and then um, Superman, when it came back in 87, was actually retitled uh, The Adventures of Superman, and it kept the numbering of Superman going. And then years later, um, I'm trying to remember what year, but I think it was around 2007, maybe, 2008, um, that they actually went back to, uh, they took away Adventures of Superman, retitled it Superman, and went back to the old numbering. So that's why Superman is now in the, um, I think it's going to be back to like in the six or seven hundreds, I kind of forget where we are now, but with the new 52 and everything, um, but uh, so they've kind of shifted those around a little bit. Um, there was uh, Batman number four hundred was uh, released in eighty six. Now Batman number four hundred I have not read. Um, it had a whole bunch of the kind of the great artists and writers of the time working on that. Um, Batman five hundred though, um, a few years later I definitely read that one. That was one of the first comic books I had as I started collecting as a kid, and that was the one where you had the Azrael Batman. Uh, taking over for Bruce Wayne, who had had his back broken. Um, you know, a couple of other things that had happened. I wanted to go to... Oh, one thing I saw. I want to mention this one real quick. Um, one thing I saw mentioned that San Diego Comic-Con in 1986, it listed some of the guests and uh, the number of attendees. number of attendees of San Diego Comic-Con in 1986 was 6,500. And so I was just curious. I looked it up, and I think I read that in in 2015 it was 130,000. So slight difference between 6,500 and 130,000. Um, things have grown just a little bit. Um, so let me real quick uh, to kind of wrap us up here. Uh, some of the first appearances by characters: Booster Gold first appeared in February 20, uh, February 2015, February of 1986 in Booster Gold number one. I always liked the idea of the Booster Gold character, that he was coming from the future, um, and that he was kind of a con artist, um, but uh, I liked him. I liked him as a character. Um, let's see, there was uh, Carrie Kelly um, in Batman The Dark Knight Returns number one for her first appearance. Kilowog, Kilowog, um, one of my favorite of the Green Lantern Corps. Uh, was in Green Lantern Corps number 201. Uh, then we also had Amanda Waller. I mean, she's kind of become a major character in DC Comics continuity. Um, she's in just about everything now. She appeared in Legends number one in November of 1986. Obviously, the Watchmen, uh, the Minutemen, 
had their first appearances. Apocalypse had his first appearance in X-Factor number 5. That was in June of 86. Uh, Eddie Brock, who would become Venom, was in Web of Spider-Man number 18 in September of 86. Um, then you also had, um, let's see, there were a couple of other ones. There was uh, the U.S. Agent, who would show up in the Captain America comics in Captain America number 323, and then Concrete was a character in Dark Horse Presents number one. That was their first appearance of that one. So you just have a ton of stuff that happened in 86. Like I said, this is an overview. I do want to go more in-depth and kind of talk about each one of these. We probably will start with Man of Steel, because that's the one that I have all the issues of. Uh, and as soon as I get back home, I'll reread those. And we'll probably do one episode uh, just on the Man of Steel miniseries. And then we'll kind of go from there and talk about Watchmen, talk about The Dark Knight Returns. And we'll do some of that throughout the summer. And I'll see if I can get in some, some other uh, co-hosts to join me with that. So grab some comic book folks and, and go do that. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll just... We'll do that, and we'll, we'll put out a few episodes here and there uh, about some of the comics of 1986, because it's, it's a big year in comics. All right, well, I think that's going to do it for this episode of the 30-something movie podcast. It's been the 30-something comics podcast this time around. Um, but again, I hope you'll join us next week and next month as we start off our fantasy movies. Uh, next week will be The Golden Child, so look for that coming next Wednesday. Um, beyond that, uh, again, we've got... Big Trouble in Little China. I watched that one just a couple of years ago, and I'm excited to watch it again. I, that's a that's one of my one of my favorite movies. That if it's on, I'll, I'll just stop and watch it. Um, you know, I, it's I don't know if it's one of my favorite movies, but it's a movie that if it's on TV, I will definitely stop and watch it for at least a little bit. Um, just a funny movie. I remember really enjoying that one as a kid. Um, kind of freaked me out as a kid too, but really enjoyed that one. Um, then we've got coming up uh, Highlander. There can be only one, and that week there will be only one movie, uh, Highlander, and then finally Legend, which I have not seen in a very, very long time. I don't remember the last time I saw it, but I have not seen it in a very long time. Not sure I've seen the entire movie, um, so I'm kind of looking forward to seeing that one, too. So in the meantime, where can you find us? Well, you can find us at 30podcast.com. That will take you to our website. That's got all the different ways you can get in touch with us. Through Twitter, at 30podcast, uh, Facebook, facebook.com slash 30podcast. You can email us, 30podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we are all over the place. We've got Instagram, um, which will I'll post up some of the album art and stuff like that from time to time. I'll take some photos here and there. Um, but, uh, yeah, you can reach us. Probably the best way to do that is 30podcast.com. That will take you to all of our other ways that you can reach us, some of the other information we've got up on our website, ways you can uh, contribute to the show if, if you want to through Patreon. Um, and then we've also got a phone number, so if you want to give us a call and leave us an audio, some audio feedback, um, you can do that as well. But we will see you next time, so come on back next time when we will be talking about The Golden Child, starring Eddie Murphy. Thank you.